0: Report. everyone, welcome to Yeah But! I'm Vivian Gabor and I'm very excited today. Not only because it has been a very long hiatus from recording episodes, I'm so sorry, I'm back. I'll be posting much more very soon, so don't worry about that. But also, I'm very excited because I get to talk to a good Judy of mine that I haven't seen in... Gosh, like a decade. Honestly, it feels like a decade, even if long. it's not. <laughs> Everyone, welcome to the
1: podcast, Demi Wild. Hello. Hello. Welcome. thank you. Welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's gonna to be a fun we've been here doing. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's gonna be a fun episode because we just recorded an episode for Demi's podcast, uh, which I will let them plug a little bit later, but um uh, so we've we've already done this once today. So you guys get to have the completely unhinged version. <laughs> it's gonna be fantastic. You're welcome. Unhinged, uh, unhinged, which is basically my middle name at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Vivian
1: Unhinged Gabor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. There it is. Uh, to the point where I showed up to work on Monday of last week and they were like your hair's orange now I'm like "Mm -hmm." (laughs) they're like is there a reason I was like because it needed to be (laughs) they're like okay (laughs) (laughs) so so tell me how things have been going how is life I know you have like many multiple podcasts Mm -hmm. yeah I've kind of like and you wrote a book I have two two books I've obviously um, been following your life closely as a friend.
1: <laughs> Very closely. Well, no. So, like, I, I mean, my life has changed so much in the past. Uh, what's it, 2022? I left in 2016, I believe. 2015. End of 2015. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's been, like, seven years or so. Um. It's taken on so many forms, just like the rest of my life has. I'm now kind of like producing podcasts and hosting podcasts. And I have my own media company. I've written two books. Um, I am just busy, busy, busy all of the time. And I love it. I love being creative and and just doing stuff like this. Don't do drag no more. I mean, good for you, girl. <laughs> I, I killed her off. Venus Lapinas is dead um someone she, else can have the name now <laughs> yeah I've, I've integrated her into like you know the rest of my personality so she's just reabsorbed into my life now in other ways
0: i yeah that's she's how a parasite that's me now. literally how drag goes <laughs> I made like two of the things I'm currently wearing for me to wear for drag and now they're just part of my daily wardrobe exactly you just and give just up like you know while. what you know what here we are this is just this is me <laughs> also why I have orange hair because I once got a neon orange wig put it on and I said that's it mm-hmm. so yes. yeah
1: I love you know I love me an orange wig
0: oh absolutely so many, many. um yeah. so uh tell me a little bit about uh why you moved to LA um because I feel very like we never had that conversation because you just like left. Uh, No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Actually, (laughs) thank you for leaving
1: because when you left, I got your show. So thanks. (laughs) True, yeah, I mean, I was like I was, I mean, I I feel like- I. Oh, and
0: BTW, for people listening, we talked about this in the the last thing we recorded, but we're both from Seattle, that's how we met. She's from California, lived in Seattle.
1: Yeah, I moved to Seattle That's in 2010. We I started doing drag in, I believe, 2011, 2012, around that time, I think 2012. Um, and then I very quickly got a, an open stage show where I was hosting and, and doing all that stuff. And uh, I loved it, just bouncing around town, doing all this. And yeah, I think because I, I had that show for so long that there was just kind of like a an opening that just... Yep. <laughs> well and i, I was
0: like a a regular at the bar that yeah. no longer exists
1: um was such a sad day.
0: yeah such a sad day it was the first place i ever tried mead um because they had so many kinds of beer and mead there um but yeah i'd become a regular and was so sassy to you and to uh donatella mm-hmm. that when you left everyone was like so give the show to her <laughs>
1: yeah yeah i mean i i I didn't really know like what to do with it. You know, either they were just going to like cancel it or just like have someone else in. But I was like, I knew you, I was like, Hey, like, Vivi would be great at this. So.
0: And the rest happened <laughs> and Seattle decided to cancel me because of it. But Hey, you know what? That's, well, that's, like, that's <laughs> we what <have> happens. <laughs> that's what happens when you get a hosting gig a few months into doing drag. People yeah. are like, what, excuse me. Why? Um. But so so you moved to LA in 2016.
1: Well, I moved to Sacramento. I was I was okay. in Sacramento for two years, and then I decided to come back home to Riverside for a little while because I was going back to school. I went back to college for communications and I moved out to LA three years ago, actually. Three years ago, okay. n- next month. Nice. Um, but I love LA. I have a great degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um it was just, you know, LA was always like on my mind. I actually kind of like pushed it away in order to move to Seattle for that time. My choice was either Long Beach or Seattle at that time. So I just chose Seattle because it was farther away from home. That's fair. Um, And so I came out here and just decided to put that knowledge to work and just have been creative and and doing all the things ever since I find a lot of inspiration here in, in LA especially like in the beach area or you know on the west side but I live in Hollywood so it's like I am around all the stuff that I want to be a part of you know
0: yeah uh, I miss LA one of my best friends has just told me that she's moving there and I'm like do I move there now
1: <laughs> you should like that
0: was the original plan when I left Seattle I was I was going to LA like two or three times a year building contacts networking performing and then i visited new york once and i was like no i'll move to new york and everyone was like wait
1: what <laughs> i love new york but again i i told you this earlier like i love new york but i could never live there i i love. it i, I don't I know fan. how i live here I'll spend weeks there on an end, you know, just like have a blast. But I could never live there.
0: It's, it's one of those things where you like you're walking around just like living your everyday life. And then you look up in the Empire State Buildings there and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm in New York.
1: How did that happen? <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a very surreal thing to live in the city. Yeah. I mean, I used, I, to, I used to be able to see the Hollywood sign from my street over here until a skyrise just went up like a couple months ago. <laughs>
0: wow yeah i mean at least that probably drove your rent down <laughs> probably yeah. property values tanked, <laughs> tanked yeah. i have never seen the hollywood sign ever really yeah i've never spent that much time in hollywood oh, yeah. like my first trip to la i got to hollywood uh it was like i'm gonna look at the walk of fame walked out there i was like this is disgusting why am it's I here? gross? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like it is not what they say it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's very. It's a very touristy spot. It's not really a. Pl- go there, yeah. But go there once. You don't really have to like hang out there. It's not a really great place to hang out in. Yeah, especially after nightfall.
0: <laughs> yeah, I always stay in the Fairfax District. I like that area because then you have the Grove yeah. right there, and you have like Cantor's Jewish Deli. Because I always have to have a Jewish Deli nearby. Um, you're kind of close to the bar. So it's like a $5 Uber ride over there. Yeah. But uh, what has, what has been most inspiring to you? Like what, what has LA been inspiring in your life?
1: Well, I was actually becoming really inspired with, with this place because I was visiting here a lot because I lived just an hour East from here. And so I would just drive out here on the weekends and like, you know, spend time alone go shopping go to the beach like all this stuff and then i found i i found a group of people that i hung out with when uh when pride and um i felt a lot of like inspiration from them this like kind of like queer camaraderie um and there's uh, so much like queer history here undocumented a, a whole lot of um um was well, just not a, not a very popular like queer spot other than like you know say west hollywood for example mm-hmm. but there's so much like history here there's a bar in silver Lake called the black cat and actually hosted their own kind of like um uh like um not pride what the 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 bar in, <laughs> in new york i don't know why stonewall, my brain's not stonewall. Right. stonewall like a, yeah like a sit-in think. kind of a yeah thing. They, they hosted their own kind of like you know stonewall-esque um uh thing and you know back in during that time as well so like there's like a little bit of like history here as well so there there was like so much that I just became so inspired by
0: I feel like when we think of queerness in California we usually go straight to San Francisco yeah and then forget that LA exists somehow yeah Um, at least for the rest of the world like LA in the rest of our minds is like Oh, that's Hollywood. That's where you go to make movies. And then San Francisco is where you go to be gay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I May do and cold. <laughs> y- yes. But fog is so pretty.
1: Yeah, it is pretty there. I, I do love San Francisco. <laughs> I love San Francisco, but I just, I'm very um, mm-hmm. uh, sensitive to weather. So that's why I couldn't stay yeah. in Seattle anymore. It that's was fair. so cold and rainy there. <laughs> I was very depressed all the time. One of the
0: reasons I want to leave uh, New York, I'm so tired of the humidity in the summer like it's just it's hell yeah um I do I think the most comfortable I've been other than like being in Scotland because Scotland is like my favorite place on the planet but the most comfortable I've been in my life was when I was in uh West Hollywood specifically just like being able to be gay while I was out on the street and I mean we're talking this was like 2016 even then like even when I left Seattle in 2018 I was uncomfortable being like openly gay on the street walking around in drag in Seattle terrified me yeah and so like being able to go to West Hollywood and just be like pardon the word but faggy on the street made me feel so good Mm -hmm. because I could just like be myself and it was one of the few places that I knew where that was possible See, I
1: would like go and sneak into those bars um, when I was like, <laughs> nice, yeah. I, it, I, that's also like I have I have history here. So like I used I would hang mm-hmm. out. I've been to the Whiskey Go Go a bunch of times, you know, stuff like like the rock shows and stuff that they would have in Hollywood. So like I, I have history here, mm-hmm. and not only that, but like I also have just have a connection here with this place. Yeah, there's, there's just something about it. There's, there's both a light and a dark energy about it.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's had that for a long time. It's like LA and New York both have this weird magnetism about them. Uh, and I've always wondered what that is. Like there are rumors that New York, the bedrock in New York is filled with garnet, which is like a spiritual magnet. And so that's why so many people want to be here is it's physically pulling them in. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is about these two cities that just everyone wants to be there. And there's just something about them. Yeah. Um, I mean,
1: hell, I, I wrote a, I wrote a book about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> What's your book about it?
1: Um, Well, I, so I have two books of, of poetry that I've, I've self-published. The first of which is bitter blue pill. It's kind of like my kind of like queer manifesto in certain ways. And it's also an ode to LA and like, and I kind of continue that idea in, in the second one, but I, I developed more of kind of like a more spiritual leaning edge on the second mm-hmm. one. And, um, yeah, I just, I love poetry. I've been writing since I was, like, a teenager, so I mm-hmm. just decided to put all this stuff together and create a book out of it. That's awesome. Can you get it on, like, Amazon, or? I sure, you sure can, yeah. um, You could just look up Dimitri Wilde on Amazon, and you, both of them will, will pop up. Um, the first one is awesome. Blue Pill. The second one is called All Was Nothing in the Time of Champions. Nice. People better go do that.
0: I'm going to yeah. go do that. So if you don't go do that, then you're a terrible listener. How dare you? <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, So uh, I've, I've been doing this podcast for a while. This is going to be episode 60, which seems like a lot until you realize that I started this podcast in 2016. And then you're like, why aren't there more episodes? It's because mm-hmm. I'm lazy.
1: Uh, <laughs> and I get my life gets ahead of me. Um, you have more episodes than uh, a cosmic journey we have 51 I think I mean yeah but I started mine two years oh yeah I guess so yeah like back in
0: 2016 anyway (laughs) (laughs) just me harping on myself um but I felt like it was time to kind of give the podcast some structure finally um and so from now on I'm gonna be asking my guests to come with some queer history in their belts yeah. and to to teach me some things um because something i've learned over my time of being out is that um it's it's hard to find queer history it's very yes. hard to find it yes. and um it's something that like eventually when i go on for my phd and stuff like that i want to teach queer history um because you have to learn so many different um so many and so much different terminology mm-hmm. like the the word homosexual wasn't coined to mean gayness until the early 1900s so before that you have to know all of these different possible terms that could have been used for it lesbianism wasn't a thing until the early 1800s funny that in a patriarchal society they named lesbianism first um <laughs> that's always made me wonder about that so what was it um, beforehand though there were just I mean, other words that they would use it, it existed like it- well that's the thing is it existed and it was a part of life but a it wasn't an important thing to people like it wasn't something that people went around being like oh those gays are so evil um yeah. but it it also was just something that because it wasn't talked about a lot they didn't really codify any terminology for so there were like 50 different terms that could meant could mean that that guy was gay or that woman was gay or that person was not conforming or um and I often wonder if some of the people in history that we talk about were actually queer but they were not terms for it so they didn't they weren't able to talk about it Mm. um so because of that uh and and also the other thing that that keeps us from knowing our queer history especially modern queer history is we lost an entire generation of queer people uh in the 80s and 90s to AIDS like we there it ravaged our community and so we don't have as many connections to our history like most other communities would because those people just aren't on earth anymore yeah. um so I, I want it to be a, a distinct purpose of this podcast moving forward to um allow people to share stories that they've heard to widen our our vocabulary of queerness but also to widen our understanding of who we are as a community Mm -hmm. so with that being said who have you chosen to tell me
1: about so um as a poet I decided to go a a poetic route and talk about Langston Hughes (gasps) Ooh, that's a name that I know and I know nothing about them yeah, I didn't know anything about him either, but I actually just uh, wanted to. I've I've been really like obsessed with like kind of like you know especially around you know a couple summers ago when Black Lives Matter was a thing. I wanted to kind of immerse myself in like some of the writing during that time. So I've always like known the name, but I never really knew anything about mm-hmm. about him um, other than you know maybe having read a couple poems of his. But um, I didn't know any of his history. But yeah, he was a queer person as well, or white is widely widely pers- perspected perceived perceived thank you yeah. <laughs> I'm a writer <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey words are hard especially English <laughs> English is the worst language yeah
1: exactly um perceived to have been a queer person as well um yeah he's just a really interesting person when you
0: say perceived to be queer what do you mean by that
1: um, well, it's it's a lot of like stuff has gone around. He wasn't like open about it, but you know mm. has been stories over time that have kind of like made him seem a little bit. and he also alludes to it in some of his writing as well.
0: when was when when did he live? when was he on this plane
1: of existence on this plane of existence? James Mercer Langston Hughes was born February 1st, 1901 to may 22nd 1967 So very early wow. on. yeah. He was an American poet, social activist, novelist, playwright, and columnist from Joplin, Missouri. One of the earliest innovators of the literary art form called jazz poetry, Hughes is best known as a leader of the Harlem Renaissance.
0: Ooh, come on, Harlem Renaissance—that's something I know literally nothing about, and I yeah.
1: am a terrible person for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're not wrong. That's what we're doing here—is we're <laughs> disseminating information. Yeah. Um, in addition to poetry, Hughes wrote plays and short stories. He also published several nonfiction works from 1942 to 1962. As a civil rights movement was gaining traction, he wrote an in-depth weekly column in a leading black newspaper, the Chicago Defender. So he kind of like worked early on as like just like a typical writer, but then he kind of pivoted during um, that time into like more social activism and stuff like that as well.
0: Mm. I feel like we see that a lot during that time during the 70s. Um, especially like with music, we see people who were just kind of writing music for a while and then they're it
1: all turned very political because they were like, This we got to do something, yeah. Um, both of Hughes's paternal great grandmothers were enslaved Africans, and both of his paternal great grandfathers were white slave owners in Kentucky, so he's mixed wow. race, um, born out of slavery and um, the stuff that happens with that. That's
0: insane. Yeah, I'm like, that must have been the worst
1: childhood. Yeah, troubling. (laughs) Definitely. God, (laughs) more than troubling. (laughs) Um, Langston was raised mainly in Lawrence, Kansas, by his maternal grandmother, Mary Patterson Langston. Through the black American oral tradition and drawing from the activist experiences of her generation, Mary Langston instilled in her grandson a lasting sense of racial pride. Uh, his writing experiments began when he was young, while in grammar school. In Lincoln Hughes was elected class poet. He stated that in retrospect, he thought it was because of the stereotype about African Americans having rhythm. <laughs>
0: oh no! And, <laughs> <he's>
1: like, aww. <laughs> but also like, great. <laughs> he's like, I I'm I glad, they, my glad they own stereotype. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's a good thing they stereotyped him though because we needed that in our history we need those oh god
1: he went with it but he goes on <laughs> it makes you go on <laughs> oh. um he had a very poor relationship with his father both he seldom saw it as a child and uh he lived with briefly with his father in mexico in 1919 so he had a very turbulent uh, interesting a lot of queer people do um I wonder why his father was in Mexico. I don't know. Uh, During his time in England in the early 1920s, Hughes became part of the Black expatriate community. Uh, In in November 1924, he returned to the US to live with his mother in Washington, D.C. Where did, sorry,
0: where, I'm going to ask so many questions because that's what I'm good at with this stuff. Where did he go when he was an expat? Uh, England. Okay. Uh, Understandable.
1: Understandable. (laughs) (laughs) been there a few times yeah yeah i've been once it's it's fabulous i love it Mm. um some academics and biographers believe that hughes was homosexual and included homosexual codes in many of his poems as did walt whitman who hughes said influenced his poetry Mm. uh hughes's story blessed assurance deals with the father's anger over his son's effeminacy and queerness so yeah, he actually wrote about about stuff like that, like you know his his relationship with his father and his perceived you know effeminate self and stuff like that. He was a sensitive kid, you know.
0: Yeah, it's also that makes me think about like, um, obviously, completely different upbringing, but Prince George when he when there was like that video of him that went viral of him being kind of effeminate. And everyone's like, "Oh, the next prince is gonna be gay." And all of these like childhood psychologists were like, "No, most kids are pretty effeminate when they're young because they spend time with their mothers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's just that's how life works." Mm-hmm. So I find it interesting that so many, especially so many fathers, are like, "We gotta, we gotta get it out of our kid." And it's like, but but at the same time, every, they never spend any time. Every, with their kid. <laughs> well, I mean that, but also just like it. That's just typical childhood development no matter who you're going to turn into whether or not you're queer you're gonna be a little more effeminate when you're a little kid because you're attached to your mom which makes sense you came out of her like
1: (laughs) and just from like a an absorption type thing you know kids are very observant they watch everything so they're obviously their only like human interaction is like with another with a an older woman they're kind of gonna take on those traits anyways it's just absolutely
0: have you ever did you see sorry total sidetrack but Uh, have you ever seen the documentary, um, why do I sound gay or do I sound gay? I think I've heard, I think I have, I think I have seen that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's so good. And it's fascinating because we have this idea in our mind of like, oh, that person's gay because they have a lisp or because they sound like it. Um, and he breaks that down and goes on this journey to figure out why. And basically, ultimately it comes down to people who, uh, specifically, uh, male identifying people who grow up uh, in families where it's mostly women are going to sound a little bit more like that because throughout your development you're around that voice type more often so you're just right. going to develop some of those speech patterns no matter what your sexual orientation is yeah and it's just it's I, I love hearing things like that when it's like science is like no homophobia is stupid uh actually here's a reason for why this is happening
1: <laughs> yeah 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 exactly because it's just law it's just development wealth. it's yeah. literally just <laughs> development good job yeah. you figured out a pattern Um, uh, This was a really uh, fun part of what I was learning about. So Hughes was drawn to communism as an alternative to segregated America.
0: Hmm.
1: Hughes's poetry was frequently published in the CPUSA newspaper, and he was involved in initiatives supported by communist organizations such as the drive to free the Scottsboro Boys. Hughes was accused of being a communist and many on the political right, but he always denied it. Uh, when asked why he never joined the Communist Party, he wrote, It was based on strict discipline and the acceptance of directives that I, as a writer, did not wish to accept. In 1953, he was called before Senate, the Senate Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations, led by mm-hmm. Senator Joseph McCarthy, the Red fuck, Scare. Fuck Senator McCarthy, but yeah, continue. <laughs> Otherwise known as the Red Scare. Yeah. Lucio Ball was also like, Who is. Was- yeah. yeah another icon of mine which i almost wanted to do her but um she was she was called in for too yeah. i i
0: learned about that only because of the movie that came out i watched it. i was like wait is okay. this real and looked it up and i was like mccarthy
1: was insane
0: because Literally when she was like a young
1: who- when she was like in her 20s she accidentally like Checked the wrong box or just like well, I mean she checked it she because was a it was
0: shister, her, her <laughs> uncle asked her to, and she loved her uncle and she was like, sure, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, but like McCarthy just went after literally. I need to do an episode on Senator McCarthy at some point in McCarthyism. But like he would just if anyone cared about human life, you immediately were a communist. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, the idea is appealing you know everyone I mean, together, it, I mean all for one however yeah. there's just certain there's just certain things that don't work about it
0: i mean if human nature wasn't a thing socialism and communism in their purest form would be perfect
1: yeah
0: uh but human nature exists and we are not perfect and so therefore it's never going to work fully <laughs>
1: Um, Hughes died on May 22nd, 1867, but his influence continues to both through his poetry and his time of writing on poems, which Martin Luther King Jr. is said to have derived his ideas. Hughes died in the Stuyvesant Polyclinic in New York City at the age of 66 from complications. Stuyvesant. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that.
0: I I knew that. What did I say? Stuyvesant or something like that? It's okay. I'm just
1: being a little shit. I knew that. But I, yeah, it's a very difficult word. Um, at the edge age of sixty-six from complications after abdominal surgery related to prostate cancer, and I have a little, um, I have a little outro here from his uh, uh, Ooh. poem: uh, "Let America be America again. Let it be the dream it used to be. Let it be the pioneer on a plane seeking a home where he himself is free. America never was America to me." Let America be the dream, the dreamers dreamed. Let it let it be that great song, great strong land of love, where never kings connive nor tyrants scheme that any man be crushed by one above. It was never America to me. Hmm.
0: I mean, it's that's one of those things that makes living in New York difficult for me, is thinking about. New York City as this place where, uh, immigrants and people who are brought here forcefully kind of were, were looking to as this beacon of hope in this country, um, to the point where we have the Statue of Liberty, and she has a poem on her about, um, how this is a land for everyone who needs help, and yet we live, <laughs> and yet it's a city with a, uh, police force that has, uh, billion dollar budget every year
1: and they just raised Um, it too
0: yep and I say as I live right next to a police station so (laughs) don't listen too hard out there um but yeah it's it's one of those things that it, it makes me so uncomfortable living here because it's such a uh it's such a juxtaposition between what we could have been and what we are uh and knowing that he was from Harlem uh just kind of amps that up a little bit. Yeah. Just yeah. how long these fights have been going on, <laughs> how long yeah. we've been trying to make this happen. But uh yeah. so so why why did you choose Langston Hughes? Well,
1: I wanted to know more about him. Um, obviously, I just you know, I, I read some of his poetry because I did a YouTube video. Um I, I do YouTube videos as well. So like I, I did one where I was reading like an anthology of poetry and stuff like right after Black Lives Matter um, that summer, I, I did a video dedicated to all that stuff. So I read Angela Davis, I read Maya Angelou, I read Langston Hughes. Um, and I wanted to know more about him and I, I knew he was a queer person, like I'd heard it around and and kind of, but I wanted to know more about him and more so, like what his beliefs were and his history it makes so much sense that so many poets are queer
0: Mm -hmm. to me just because we have so many things that we have to or women because there's so many things that we're trying to express that can't be expressed in regular society and that you need more words to say than
1: just like I'm feeling sad. Yeah. Emily Dickinson was um is believed to have been queer as well, like, mm-hmm. you know, we've existed forever, but <laughs> we have who was? What? I Queerness thought gay people a, just were invented in the 90s.
0: <laughs> there there were queer people who were cave people probably. Probably. They just probably died out sooner than the rest of them because they weren't procreating, <laughs> and they were like, "Ew, you want me to do what with that animal that you just brought in? Ew, <laughs> I'm
1: supposed to skin what? <laughs> Although we love fashion though, so we might have. We might have helped with I'll that. take the skin once it's off the animal, but don't make me do that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, can can you tell me more about poetry? Um, because I don't, I. Of course, when I was a little kid, like, you always have that, like, poetry unit in English class, and, like, so I, I know, like, some poetry, and I know, like, Shel Silverstein, and I know Shakespeare, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing, um, but what drew you to poetry, where is, what is the, just, just tell me more about it, because I don't really know much about it, and I could not tell you what is good poetry and what is bad poetry to save my life.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> neither can I. No, <laughs> well, that's that's the thing. It's it's a form of art that I I, I love all forms of art. You know, like I'm just a huge fan of art in general. But um, I think honestly, like my first, you mentioned Shel Silverstein. I think he was my first, um, or like maybe even Dr. Seuss, um, mm-hmm. was like my first introduction to like what poetry is or what it could be. So um I even remember a Shell Silverstein poem to this day. It's the deadly eye of Pookly Pie. Look away, look away as you walk by. For whoever whosoever looks at it surely will die. It's a good thing you didn't. You did goodbye. <laughs> um, <laughs> he was so um, unhinged. I love so it. unhinged. So I unhinged love Shel's your poetry. <laughs> so um yeah, like I just love how fun it can be. I can love how whimsical it can be. It can be you know, I love, I love a good rhyme, you know, not, not all poetry has to rhyme, which is another Mm -hmm. thing. But I love rhymes. I love working with rhymes because it's a simple structure to use. Mm -hmm. Um, but I've always been a writer. So like, I just kind of like, it's just kind of flowed naturally. Like whenever I was deep in my feelings, I was an emo kid. So like, I definitely like wrote a lot of poetry back then, which you can read in the first book. (laughs) There's a few in there that I, I, I checked in there from like the early days um but yeah i i just i love it i love how fun it can be i love how whimsical it can be and it's just it's just something kind of silly at times to do but then i also really here's the thing about writing is i always felt like it never could go anywhere um Mm -hmm. and because first of all it's a lot of work first of all we don't pay writers a whole lot you know writers Mm -mm. get paid like pennies on the word you know essentially so you know a good you know 700 to like 900 word piece can net you maybe 50 bucks you know <laughs> yeah so um it's just it's just one of those things where i didn't do it for a long time i actually kind of like said you know what that's silly let's that's let's let's be realistic about this stuff but then when i my life kind of changed, um, during 2016 and 2017, those years. So I decided to lean more into like my artistic side more so than I already was. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And also my original form, which was writing and, um, then, yeah, I was, I've, I love my Angelou, Phoenix, Dennis, um, uh, our RM Drake, like just all these like really great poets and stuff and there's so much history there too mm. um edgar Allan poe was a big influence influence on me when i was a, a teenager i was gonna well. say i
0: tend to love really dark poetry like mm-hmm. edgar Allan poe or um when you get into more modern stuff i love seamus haney mm-hmm. uh, most people know him because he did the most famous translation
1: of beowulf but his poetry is crazy dark mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's so good yeah it, it was a way to express myself as a, as a younger person, but then it became kind of like a way of life later on. Um, I haven't done a whole lot of poetry since the second book, but I've, I've put down ideas here and there to kind of like maybe eventually go into a third one, (laughs) but right now I'm focusing on other things. Um, But yeah, like I, I love it. It's just, it's and it's a rig, you know, I'm, I'm a spiritual person. And so number one, art is deeply spiritual as a personal Mm -hmm. type type thing, type of expression, connection to something bigger than yourself. But also um, as a really, I find poetry to be a really uh, interesting form of divination. So Mm. for instance, I read tarot cards, you know, you pull a card, you get a message, so on and so forth. In poetry, it's a book. So like you just open to a random page and whatever that poem is, it's kind of like, a message from the universe to you um Mm. i find it really interesting to to i used to
0: not to like call out my my childhood self for being a conservative christian but i used to do that with my bible i would just like throw it open and then find a verse and then i would read the context of the verse not to Mm -hmm. like be that person but um i totally i totally see that i totally see um the written word as divination absolutely
1: yeah yeah and so like i I use it as that nowadays and, and there's just so much to it. You know, I, I love the English language and it's a different form of expression to actually like sit down and like write something out is deeply number one. If I can find the focus to do it, it's <laughs> it's definitely um, a really great exercise in expression.
0: And it forces you to connect to yourself. Like it, it forces, if you want to sit down and actually write something, it's why I find journaling really hard um, and I have like 20 different journals laying around the universe somewhere where it's like three pages filled out because I'll be like, no, now is when I start journaling, but it requires you to be so brutally honest with yourself and that's not something I'm good at. <laughs> it's really not something I'm good at. And you got to be that's... really good
1: at self-harm. <laughs> <Yeah>, right.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I wrote a pilot for a TV show at one point. Cause I was like, maybe I could do this. And I like, I wrote it and it's not, I don't think it's bad, but I was like that. Took so much out of me.
1: I don't want to do this as a living. <laughs> you can't make me. I don't
0: want to get a manager. I don't want to do this anymore.
1: Well, that's why. So I have, I, I eventually want to transition into writing for TV too because I I, I want to dabble in that. And I've written a couple of different things, like, you know, a film plot or um, you know, the basics of like a a, a scene <laughs> for like mm. a, a show I, I want to produce. But um yeah writing that's why that's why they have teams of writers so like not everyone is doing the same thing you know like i i love collaborating with other people and their ideas because if you if you're sitting down to do it by yourself god help you like you Mm -hmm. know getting getting the focus i do not know know. how Stephen king does it i don't know how anyone does okay Stephen king used to write like a book a month And it was like, but he would. Well, I mean, that's called cocaine. (laughs) Exactly. He was like, he would hold himself up, and for like months on end, would just binge on coke and like get all these fucking books out, you know. But that's the thing is, like, you have to like have some sort of like either inner propulsion or external propulsion, yeah, to get that out, you know. It makes you
0: wonder, or at least it makes me wonder, like, with some of my favorite works of literature, just how 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 they did that like the the sheer willpower to write things but also to write them well um and the the gift that you have to have in order to do that like one of my favorite books and people always laugh when I say it but I think it's because they haven't read the book and so they're just kind of going off of like stereotypes um one of my favorite books is Dracula and it's because Bram Stoker sat down and was like, I'm going to write a piece of literature in first person, which is the most difficult thing to do. And then he was like, oh, but wait, that wouldn't give me enough context within the story and wouldn't allow me to build the world out. So let me pretend like it's four people's journals. And so you read it and you really get into these people's minds. And it's such a brilliant work of literature. Mm-hmm. And he it, broke I, it up. It wasn't, and like I can't
1: consistent thing. he broke it up into sections. Into and I can't
0: things. even manage to write a single journal entry for myself, let alone a fake person that I invented in my head. So it's just mind blowing how some of these people are able to, to put things to
1: the page. Yeah. Well, I have ADD, so I, I <laughs> ADHD. So like actually sitting down and focusing and doing something is, is, difficult yeah um and as as a society we've never been more distracted nowadays than mm-hmm. ever but that being said my inspiration to write comes in bursts it comes in mm-hmm. like certain other thing like waves even like all mm-hmm. if i am in the mode i will sit down and i will write right 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 Mm-hmm. Um, but if I just, I need to get like a paragraph out right now, sometimes it's like pulling teeth, but when you have the inspiration, it's, it's important to like, actually like run with it when you have it. And, and giving eventually yourself
0: grace for those times when you don't have the
1: inspiration. Exactly. that's a big thing for me. Like I have two books. Um, I have blog posts that are like half written. I have two books that are half written. <laughs> like, you know, nothing's finished. Mm-hmm. It's like, I have um, a book that requires a lot of research, but like, I just kind of got tired of researching it. And so I'm like, I don't want to work on this right now. Then I'm like, I'm going to like work more on the podcast right now. and I'm like, do that. And then I, because I like podcasting, it's a lot, of, it's simple and it's, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, I have, I'm an okay enough editor that I can like make things work for myself. And audio is very easy medium to use
0: yeah it's um, it's great for people who are uh neurodivergent in many different ways because a lot of us are stimulated by by oral things yeah so audio that was the weirdest way to say that that i possibly could have come up with <laughs> oral <laughs> but, things
1: yes i get, yes. I get you
0: <laughs> <laughs> but like no i totally get that i have trouble uh when i try to sit down um I love researching, writing down my research is very difficult, but hopping on a podcast and like spouting a whole bunch of facts, I get so excited about things that my brain gets ahead of me. And mm-hmm. so being able to say them is so much more, uh, is so much easier for me than being able, than having to sit down and be like, okay, my pen is moving so slowly. Okay. My, I slow, can't yeah. type any faster. Like I'm already bored of this because I can't keep up with my brain. Yeah
1: yeah that's why writing for me comes in like waves it comes in bursts and eventually Mm -hmm. I'll have enough to kind of like okay I can put these pieces together and now I have an actual structured thing
0: I kind of wish I had someone that I could just like dictate to (laughs) and I know there's I know there's (laughs) software for that but it's very expensive software. isn't it like 1200 bucks or something it's very expensive or it used to be at least but uh because you have to like train it your voice and then you can just sit and dictate and it puts it all down but Holy crap.
1: Yeah. Writing's a, it's, it's a hassle, but I do enjoy it a lot, especially, and I love poetry because it's, they're short form. You don't, there's no really mm. like any risk in, involved in it. It's just kind of <laughs> like, boom, here's a thought. Let's create something interesting that has mm. texture and color to it. And then like, just to see it in your mind's eye, it's, it's simple. It's cute.
0: Yeah. I love reading, uh, and I know it's cliche, but I love reading E.E. E. Cummings for that reason. Because it's I so, guess. it's also visual, and so it allows you to like figure out how he heard it in his mind because he wrote it down the way that he heard it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it's so it's so it's such a fun exercise to read E Cummings' poem, poems out loud. Yeah, uh, and it's also why they're terribly difficult to set to music. Yeah, uh, have no. <clears throat> Certainly haven't tried that myself, but <laughs> um, but yeah, I found when I write poetry, I tend to stick with like older forms. I love writing sonnets, um, specifically Shakespearean sonnets, Elizabethan sonnets, because it's such a specific structure that it forces me to be creative in what words that I choose versus like sitting there and just like writing out a, what's on my mind. I then have to sit down and be like, okay, but that doesn't fit the structure. So how do I fit the structure, but get the idea out? And then I end up finding new words and I, I pull out my thesaurus and use it as an excuse to pour through it. And uh, by the end of it, I end up finding that I expressed things more clearly than I would have if I had just done a freeform poem.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like you said before too, um, when you're speaking sometimes your thoughts get a little bit more ahead of you mm-hmm. <clears throat> when you're in. I have a stutter a little bit sometimes. Like I had one when I was a kid and especially when I think too much and like my, my brain's just going really, really fast. I have to like slow down and be like, okay, mm-hmm. wait, use your words. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Cause it'll come out like, blah, 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 blah. but, um, when I actually have, you know, the focus to sit down and like write out my thoughts Mm-hmm. They become more clear. They become more concise. I love editing. I was an editor on the school paper for like forever too. So like you can like- I
0: was too. Wait, what section did you edit
1: on? Life and Entertainment. Oh, fancy. I was a news editor. (laughs) I actually, if I had uh, continued on over there, I probably would have been editor-in-chief. I was nice. I was uh, something I was kind of gunning for and I actually kind of fell into it. I wasn't necessarily- like interested in journalism but then I just kind of fell into it and like I love this
0: (laughs) yeah I I started on the newspaper as a as a news writer um this was an undergrad and I loved it I did it because I always wanted to try being a journalist I love journalism I love being able to just learn a bunch of facts and then relay them exactly as they were Mm -hmm. like that was always my goal was to actually be as unbiased as possible um And then it kind of got me to the point where I was the assistant news editor. And then the thing is, if you wanted to be the editor-in-chief of the paper at the school, it generally was a trajectory either with um, features or with news. So you either had to be on features or you had to be on news to get to the editor-in-chief spot. I don't know why I never went to anyone else, but that's just kind of what happened. Yeah, and so I was also on that trajectory, but I was too much of an asshole, <laughs> too much of a dick to the people around me, and went through way too much depression in college to be able to get there. But yeah, yeah, it's it's I I miss journalism so much. I almost yeah. went into it as a major. It's yeah, I had it's a such a it it's such so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, I think I want to. I th- I think we're gonna cut it there because that was such a nice little
1: succinct wrap up um yeah. where can people find you online i'm at demetri wild everywhere uh instagram twitter tiktok all the above um and that's Demi- spelled d-e-m-d-e-m-i-demi yeah, Demi, uh tree <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I get Starbucks, they ask me, what's your name? I go Demi like Lovato. <laughs> <laughs> not Demi like more. <laughs> no, not Demi like more. Demi like Lovato.
0: <laughs> That's for all of the 90s babies out there. You're welcome. Exactly.
1: <laughs> um, uh, Demetriawild.com. That's my website. You'll find all my stuff, my YouTube channel, um, my blog, Hook of Horror Stories, my podcasts everywhere. I have uh, Hook of Horror Stories with Demi Wild out there, A Cosmic Journey with Demi and Jay. Where my and my best friend talk about everything in the universe um uh and then i have a brand new one called tarot love doctors where me and my friend Emanuela uh give love advice and do tarot reading love tarot readings for our listeners i love that
0: that's amazing
1: yeah. well
0: thank you so much for being on the pod and it's been so wonderful to get to actually talk to you again after so many years i know
1: we've texted we've like you know <laughs> been on twitter or whatever but like but yeah we actually haven't been able to sit down and talk this has been great
0: yeah and I promise next time I'm in LA I will let you know Please. so
1: that we can
0: actually hang out hopefully very soon
1: you can yeah. sleep on my floor oh perfect <laughs> <laughs>
0: awesome well thank you very much and uh, we will see you all later bye bye
1: yeah,
0: thank you for yeah, listening fun. to yeah but with Vivian Gabor tune in next week same place same time.